Recording live from Marshawn Lynch's post-bike ride bar party, it's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. Did you guys hear about this? Yeah, what uh, what is this? You going to Oakland and you're just already making yourself cool among the fan base and all your friends? I was just mad I wasn't invited. He's just a lead. Everyone was invited. That's the point, dude. <laughs> this is Oakland's chosen son going back home and saying, hey, y'all, I'm going to go ride my bike around town. Anybody's free to join. And you know what happens? Everyone joins. It's it's a great it's great. I love Marshawn. I'm glad he's happy. Uh, I hope Oakland loses in the Super Bowl to the Seahawks. <laughs> that <laughs> that would be about perfect. Eddie Lacy runs it in on the one to win the game. <laughs> Just it in. Uh, this is exactly why I was completely okay with. Uh oh! I will class or manage the shit out of this <laughs> podcast, Eric. Here, I'm Kevin I'll take it. it away, and your mother will have to come get it Kevin, after the podcast. Kevin just went full, full like mom on Eric. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, Eric has one of these fidget spinners, which we saw during the NFL draft. Many NFL players playing. Yeah, it with. belongs to you, by the way. It's mine. I'm not using it though. <laughs> no, someone's paying attention during the podcast. I'm paying attention. It's helping you pay to paying attention to the fidget spinner. It's helping him focus, Kevin. Yeah, that's thank what the, you. That's yeah, that's what it does. Yeah, focus on the if fidget spinner. If only your students would tell you that, maybe they'd be allowed to. Fidget All right. Anyway, back to business, y'all. <laughs> All right. This y'all, is the reason why y'all went ADHD on it. <laughs> we. That's a fact. I. There's a reason. This is the reason why we all agreed we were okay with this being the one situation where Marshawn leaves. He's going to play in the death throes of Oakland having an NFL franchise. He's going to live it up for a year, and good for him, man. This is exactly what he should be doing. He earned it. You know, he carried the he carried the rock a ton, and now he's going and kind of getting his last hurrah on his terms, and a lot of players don't get to do that. Yeah, I think he'll spend two years there. No, when Oakland leaves, Marshawn will leave. There's yeah, he'll no, spend either one year or two, yeah. He's not playing for the Vegas Raiders. There's no. no effing way. And not that I really care about Oakland fans, but good for them. They're going to miss their team. to ride a camel in Vegas again. He seemed to like riding the camel. Only Marshawn. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get right to business. we got some Seahawks news to talk about. First, let's get into news and notes, and then we'll get into our skill position players we have 15 roster spots left after our uh, our roster uh, yeah. prognostication. We looked into we looked into our crystal ball. We tried to be clairvoyant, Kevin, clairvoyant, Eric, and uh, I don't know, omnis- omniscient <laughs> Santo. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Omniscient Nate. How did you miss the low hanging fruit on that one? Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, uh, <laughs> I but but we'll get to that in just a second. Let's talk about the news of the week for Seahawks. Uh, Eddie Lacy has a one point three million dollar bonus if he runs for twelve hundred yards, which means that both he and the Seahawks believe his usage will be quite high. One, how does this make Thomas Rawls feel? And two, two, do you think his usage will be high enough to ever meet that bonus, or is that like a you'll never you're never going to get this? Like the guy holding the dollar on the end of the fishpole. <laughs> uh, I think this is. This is exactly what the Seahawks want and probably what the fans want because last year we ran the ball heavy to start things, but then when it wasn't working, we stopped running the football. Expect the Seahawks to run the football a lot this year, and that means that we're going to be successful at it. And if we're successful at it, which that's the only way we're going to win games, is uh, then I expect that, that bonus to be paid. I think Lacey gets double-digit carries. I think that's pretty well cinched. What will probably happen is he'll be in a bit of a timeshare, like, I don't know, two-thirds, one-third, maybe even half-and-half with mostly uh, Rawls, and you get some pro-size on third down. And if Lacey steps up, then he steps up. But what this basically means is that if Rawls gets injured, Lacey's the man. 
and if Rawls doesn't get injured, he's going to have to really explode onto the scene and show that the job should be his if he wants to be the primary ball carrier. All right. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Earl Thomas has is hitting the field in OTAs. He's ready to go, uh, which is great, encouraging sign for those of us that were afraid that leg injury might be difficult to come back to. Uh, I didn't know he was that 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 much into it. I had no idea. All right. Hey, that's a fast recovery. That's a good sign, yeah. Uh, Cliff Averill is number 56 on the NFL's top 100 players. Uh, also, Doug was 88 or 86 or whatever. He was like the, the numbers. The, both guys were the numbers that they were. So does that mean... Uh, I think they do that on purpose. Is Russell Wilson going to be number three? Is John Ryan going to be number nine? I hope. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, 2009 MVP Bootsilla John Ryan. Uh, Cliff Averill, though, had a great season. I really uh, appreciate his work on the Seahawks, and uh, I thought he was better than Bennett last year. I like M- R- Michael Bennett. I just thought Cliff had a slightly better season. They're both great. <laughs> Cliff had like, a better season. Like, Bennett was banged up. It's it's like choosing between your favorite uh, beef jerky. You know, it's like yeah, they're all they're all pretty good. <laughs> That's uh, a terrible comparison. <laughs> okay, it's like choosing between your favorite pizza. Even bad pizza is really good. Yeah, <laughs> when, and pizza is bad. It's still the best. Speaking of like Michael Bennett first. hating things, though. Uh, that was a terrible transition. Michael Michael Bennett said uh, he'll never talk to the Seattle Times again, and he's going to encourage all his teammates to do the same. Yes. And it's because the Seattle Times wrote kind of a hit piece on him. Uh, yep. uh One that was kind of a... It was just straight up hit piece. I don't know any other way to put it. Do you do you guys agree with his decision to stop talking to the ST, uh, the Times? Or do you think he's uh, he should just, you know, kind of talk to him anyway and not care, ignore did you see that the Seattle Times, the the guy who did the hit piece, wrote an apology today? What what did his apology say? It the you can even just Google Seahawks apology and it will be. It came out today. It said I I was uh I took an unfair hit at Michael Bennett and I am apologizing for it. That's like the title of the article. I can I can vamp for a second. I feel like there's a general feeling in the locker room that the Seattle media has been kind of going after the team a little bit. Um, there were clashes with, there was clashes with Fox's, uh, TV, uh, personalities last year. Um, the famously Richard Sherman. Um, there's this coming out from the Seattle Times. And, you know, looking at the way these interactions have gone, you kind of have to take the side of the players on this one. The media is attempting to get a reaction and then trying to sensationalize when they do. Let's be honest. I'm reading this article right now, and this is the most non-apology apology ever. It's like, <laughs> okay, first of all, a bunch of people made it clear to this guy that Bennett and Bill Wixie had a meeting, and we're like, and are totally cool now. They like worked it out, you know. Like Wixie admitted, like, hey, that was like a really pointed question, and probably went too far. And uh, yeah, and Bennett was like, yeah, and I shouldn't have said that. Like, you could, I knew nothing about you, and I didn't know you could. And then, so Sherman, his, that is, or no, Bennett. no, real quick, okay. I, I'll I'll give some background on this. But then, Matt, well, hold on, hold oh, on. Ahead. Last year, uh, when we couldn't get to Aaron Rodgers in that Green Bay game, mm-hmm. and Wixie came out, and he like. <laughs> You can tell, like, you know, no one was happy. And it was basically, he said, like, you guys aren't getting to the quarterback. You know, like, why aren't you getting to the quarterback? And Bennett was just like, I do not like this question. I'm very angry at you. And he said that in different ways. That's the beef thing. With a lot more, well, a lot more, uh, with a lot more Bennett behind it. Yeah, a little, a little more cursing. Yeah. So then, uh, but the, but the thing is, okay, so they, they, they hash it out and then, Calkins is like, Calkins is like, oh, well, why didn't Bennett make this public? Maybe because, like, 
he's an adult and he doesn't need to show off when he says sorry. Like exactly, it's so stupid. Then and this is like showing off that Calkins is saying sorry. I I don't think that uh, this is like a this is like the most like this is the apology because the kid got caught, not because he's he's mad that the that Bennett said I'm not going to interview with you and you're not going to interview. And Bennett's like the easiest soundbite in Seattle sports. Yep. Let's be honest. Like he'll give you something. He's a great interview. Yep. He, oh yeah. He's the best interview. He's he's funny. He's personable. He's smart. Like he is a he great, says interesting things. He's, he's a accurate. great interview. He'll 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 rip on people. Like yep. he he's willing to say things uh, that other guys won't. Like he's a great interview. And Calkins does not want to lose that for the whole times. And so he gives this non-apology apology. I hope Bennett sticks to his guns and says, you know what, this is stupid, and I'm still not gonna <laughs> not gonna give you guys interviews. To be honest with you, yep. Like I I'm totally against this. I, I or agree he can with you. do the exact equivalent, and he'll give interviews to everyone except for this guy on the oh, Times. Oh, I expect because I think that would be an equal thing. Well, oh, Bennett, Bennett you was... apologize. Well, let me take back what I said I was going to do about it. He was very clear that he does not want to interview with anyone from the Times as as punishment for this guy. Uh, I think Richard Sherman will follow suit because Richard Sherman is already a little. Uh, vociferous if you will unhappy with uh, the media yeah and i don't know like i'm not saying that you know we're not the new york media market but the seattle media has always been a little bit uh i don't know a little hot a little testy. irritating a little testy uh go back to the sonics and george carl and gary payton and it they made kendall gill cry don't <laughs> do not forget this uh it, the seattle media isn't an easy place and i'm not saying it's because we're good I'm just saying that the Seattle media isn't as easy as people think. Like, oh, you're in the Pacific Northwest. Everything's fine. No, the Seattle media are kind of kind of jerks sometimes. Yeah, I mean, the the commenters on the in this thread are just nailing it. Like, it's, I respect Michael Bennett and Bill Wixie if they handled this privately between the two of them. Quite frankly, it's no one else's concern or business, including Matt Calkins. Yep. Like, this guy shouldn't need to know about that. To, Obviously, they worked it out. Like they, oh my gosh! All right. Anyway, I'm done with this. I don't want to talk about this anymore. But let's just say Matt Calkins is the worst. I'm I'm against him. Go Michael Bennett. Uh, Seattle. Who reads newspapers anyway? Like, ugh. <laughs> it's 2017. Get your Old news man from Reddit like the rest suspenders. of us. Uh, so Eddie Lacy also. Let's go back to Lacy. Eddie Lacy took uh, his offensive line to go see the Baywatch movie. That's great. Uh, it's pretty fun. Uh. I like that he's bonding with his O-lineman. And in the picture, when he says his O-line, and you look at the dudes who are in it, there are six offensive linemen in the picture. That's what I was going to ask. It did not clarify <laughs> things for me on who would be starting. It's like he took the six guys out. If you ask the six me, guys that we thought would start. Right, right. exactly. It's like it's a six-man competition. But it was Jokel, Abushi, Fetty, Fetty Glowinski, Britt, and Posich. It's the or six guys. Like, it's as if you guess, like, hey, what six guys? If you could guess six guys who start on our line, who would you guess? It's those six guys. And so it's like, okay, <laughs> well, that doesn't clarify anything for me. Uh, I mean, I think Lewinsky is the odd man out here, but I mean, I could, you could make an argument for lots of other guys. I'm not like convinced. And Pete's going to let them all compete, so I'll trust the front office to make the decision. Um, I do. I will say one more thing about this though is I hope you know I know they're going to let them compete, but I really hope they settle in. As we talked about last year. As people who follow lines know, one of the biggest indicators of offensive line success is offensive line stability. Yep. The earlier we can settle on the five guys that are going to be our primaries, maybe we let a position battle in one spot go, but we need to settle the other four spots. And this you is know, kinda, if right tackle is still a fight, that's fine, but we need to figure out what every other spot I is. I have a bad, uh, I have this itchy feeling that, like, I don't know, like, 
this if this picture is an indication, you know, obviously Fant is kind of on his way out or something. But like, or he didn't like Baywatch. Or is that George Fant right there? I can't. You know what? To be honest, these guys all wear helmets. It's so hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, I know Brit just because I I ridiculed. And I know and I know Glowinski because that beard. But like, I don't know. That guy could be George Fant. <laughs> It's fifty fifty. Okay. Anyway, let's just move on with our lives. Uh, last last story. Uh, well, second to last story. Let's let's do one more. Russell Wilson gets the gold captain's patch this year, uh, which is pretty cool. That's just a neat thing. I want sure. everyone to know that. Uh, last thing. So if he was going into the NFL draft, they wouldn't be questioning how much of a leader he is. That's what I'm hearing. No, it's not like Trubisky. <laughs> I'd be surprised if Trubisky gets an any color captain's patch this year. Bam! Nailed it. All right, so uh, Cortez Kennedy, <laughs> He'll have a C on his jersey, still the probably the most dominant interior lineman in Seahawks history, and one of the most dominant interior linemen in just NFL history. Period. Uh, eight Pro Bowls, three first team All Pros, two second team All Pros. He was the two, 1992 NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He made the NFL 1990s All Decade Team. He is a Hall of Fame football player. He's in the Ring of Honor. They retired. They did not retire the number. They did. They, they did. did retire the number. Okay, so they retired the number. I thought it was. He's in the ring of I honor. thought it was just Largent and Walt. Nope, he's in the Ring of Honor. Uh, but the Ring of Honor is not retired numbers. Ooh, that's a good point. So I think his is one of those like uh, permits to use. Like you earn his number. Yeah, I think like they don't just give it to a rookie, but I think you can be ninety six. Uh, you're right. I was. Just I believe you're right as of right now. But I think that this might push it over the edge. Like people might start, um, you know, doing that or whatever. So yeah, uh, Cortez Kennedy uh, has passed away. Uh, 48 years old. I thought he was very young. Uh, they, they don't think it was suicide or foul play. So no. uh, He had a short career, which I thought would extend his adult life. So this kind of de- depresses me a little bit because I feel like he retired early to maintain some semblance of personal God, health. He wasn't that short of a career. He had though. an 11-year career, but he retired young. He retired young, yeah. Because yeah. he was a blue chip coming in. Uh, he came out of community college, played at... Uh, University Miami. of Miami. University of Miami. For a couple of years and then came in. He was pretty young when he came in. He was like 21, 22, I think. And so he retired in his early 30s. Yeah. Um, Cortez Kennedy was great. He was a really, really great football player. And then he seemed like a really good person, too. Like, he came back and did stuff uh, with the Seahawks. Uh, he, oh, they did retire the number in 2012. I just looked it up. And he was named the best athlete to ever wear the number 96 by Sports Illustrated. Which I can't argue with. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not looking at a comprehensive list, but he was he was a great Seahawk, and uh, I don't think that there's anything else that much you could say about that. One interesting Cortez Kennedy stat. You ready for this? He's a defensive tackle. He had three career interceptions. That's yep. pretty dope. Was one a pick six also? Uh, he had a interception against the Falcons, the uh, Chargers, and the Bengals. And they were all like in the early '90s when he was a little more spry. Um, I don't remember any of them being a pick six. He did have a fumble return for a touchdown. No, he was rumbling on that. Uh, it says That's... he has. It says he has zero interceptions, touchdowns. I don't know how to check the fumbles. Yeah, That's... he had a fumble return for a touchdown against San Diego. It was on a strip sack. Yep, he has one career touchdown in 1998. All right, so Cortez Kennedy, rest in peace. Uh, great Seahawk. If you want to send us your favorite Cortez Kennedy memory, do it through Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Anything like that, and we will talk about it um, if you have a big one, you know, because he he led us to some late '90s playoff pushes that we probably did not deserve at all. Well, there's a you got to remember, like uh, people outside of Seattle will say things like, you know, uh, you know, anyone who's a Seattle Seahawks fan is just they're a new fan; they don't understand, which is complete 
in the swear jar bullshit because we were selling out the Kingdom in the 80s and the 90s. There were a couple seasons, like a season where we didn't sell out games in the Kingdom, and that was in the early 90s when we were abysmal. We were insignificant. When they were threatening to move the team. Yeah, to Anaheim. And Cortez Kennedy is a big reason why we had like the second best defense in the league that year. Uh, we'd lose games 10 to 3, 10 to 7, 7 to 3. Um, we'd, we'd tie games. We were 2 and 14. We did not get Drew Bledsoe because one of, I think our two wins came against the Patriots or one of the wins came against yeah. the Patriots. That's like uh, heartbreaking too. Those three teams could have been against great. Hugh Millen, I think it was yeah. that year. <laughs> those, those teams could have, the, the Drew Brees, Cortez Kennedy, Seahawks, that's like one of my favorite, like, what if, man? Because like Rick Meyer was, or Drew Bledsoe, sorry. Because yeah. Rick Meyer is so bad. Yeah. yeah, he was. But it's, you gotta remember, like, this is, one of the original guys that, you know, he wasn't covered one-on-one occasionally. He was covered double-teamed every single down. And he was athletic. He was huge. I always make the, the you know, the washing machine joke. I want a washing machine in the middle of our line. Cortez Kennedy was like that, except he would he was like a freight train. He was athletic. He was a huge big man. And uh, supposedly very humble. Really, really sad and stunned to hear that he went. Cortez yeah. Kennedy paved the way in many ways for players like Warren Sapp. He as a disruptive interior defensive lineman. That was something that had got, that is something that had mostly gone away in the NFL. And he came back. He was interior, played three technique. You play anywhere on the interior. And this man got a lot of sacks on the inside. Uh, I think he had 14 sacks in a season was his career high. 1992, yeah, 14 sacks. Which is just an incredible number for an interior defensive lineman. And that kind of made people look differently at what an interior lineman could do and paved the way for guys like Sapp and Will Fork much later on. He also, what I always remember about him and he played during like my formative years as a football fan. And I think he's a big part of the reason we had terrible, terrible football teams, as we talked about. As Charles Barkley would say, they were terrible. And he was the bright spot. And I think that's part of why I love watching defensive line play. Uh, you know, with him passing, everyone was putting out their videos and everything. And, you know, the interceptions and the fumble return for a touchdown, those were really impressive. But the thing that I watched and just brought a smile to my face and immediately we think, that's Cortez Kennedy playing. That's what I think of is watching him just knife into the backfield and blow up every running back in the NFL. He just murdered run plays. And then they have that famous clip of him turning to the his D-line on the bench going, no run game today. This is the Seattle Seahawks defense. No run game today. Yeah. My favorite is the, the, the when um, you hear... You heard uh, Gruden talking about him, and Gruden said, you know, Cortez Kennedy is the reason I started giving quarterbacks three plays when they went to the huddle when I was in Oakland because I wanted to say, hey, run a play that's away from this guy. (laughs) Whatever. Here's the three plays. Look where he lined up and run something away from that, which is like exactly kind of Cortez was a game. He shifted the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. The whole defense had to move Incredible player. And he had a lot of pride for Seattle. I mean, his last line going into the Hall of Fame. You know, God bless all of you, and God bless the Seattle Seahawks. Love the guy who loves Seattle. And he mentored everyone. 
uh, University of Miami players, Seahawks, Current and just guys people. He, he'd show up at training camp. He was at training camp last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I thought he'd be around forever. That's kind of like I thought. He retired after 10 years. He took care of his body. Like I'm just surprised to see him go he so early. He lost a bunch of weight when he retired. Yes, mm-hmm. he did. Yeah, I just he thought he... Svelte individual. I thought he seemed like he was going to you know, be around forever. It's just so, it, it was depressing. I'm not going to lie. So I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> let's go to that's our... Let's, uh, let's, let's uh, rest in peace, Cortez, and we will go to our positional battle. So we have, we have some skill positions to talk about. Let's get the easy one out of the way. Quarterback. Quarterback. Boykins. Okay, we have, we're going to have two quarterbacks. We yep. all agree on this. We know who one of them is. One of them yeah. will be Russell Wilson. <laughs> Slam dunk it. The backup. Okay, it could be any number of guys. Uh, Trevon Boykin seems to be the leader in the clubhouse just because he's currently on the roster. Yep. Um, Kaepernick and Griffin the third are looming as yep. potential free agent options. Either one would give us one of the best backup QBs in the league, but might be prohibitively expensive for a backup. Yep. Um, then uh, we also have uh, Heaps. Jake Heaps on the roster, who will not make the team unless it's on the practice squad. Which or is fine. if Boykin is stuck uh, in jail. In jail. Yeah. All right. So quarterback, <laughs> quarterback, done. Let's go to the second easiest one. Let's get the easy ones out of the way. Tight ends. There's some minor disagreement here about whether we'll keep three or four tight ends. Um, let's talk about the three we're definitely going to keep. Okay, James Graham. James be back. Graham. Yep. Uh, Eric, James Graham. Uh, I think proved a lot last year. Do you agree? Absolutely. It's the it was the Jimmy Graham that we wanted to see. Uh, he became a full man. He uh, ch- changed his name to James Graham because of it. Remember, James Graham uh, did not play like played sparingly in the first few games of the season. Really came on in. What was it week three or week four? Mm-hmm. And Duke came down with 923 yards yeah. on 95 targets, 65 catches. Like, this guy was clutch. Yeah, and I think this year you might see um, more of another guy we're about to talk about, which will allow Graham to get even more snaps in the, on playing, you know, slot wide receiver or outside wide receiver. Yeah, I would agree. And so, that man must be Nick Vanette. That would be the one I'm hoping. Nick uh, so, Nick Vanette, we brought him back. He's. He's clearly a guy that the Seahawks think has a lot of potential. He's six foot six. He's pretty fast. We picked him in the third round, correct? Third round? Yep, third yep. round. Yep. Uh, Nick Vanette will likely become a bigger part of our offense this year. He is our best blocking tight end, which if you're running a two tight end set, traditionally it's very common to have one who kind of stays in blocking or could stay in blocking. And we have a Jimmy Graham. So we clearly have the one that's going to be receiving. And if if one more national media guy refers to Luke Wilson as our blocking tight end, <laughs> I'm going to like fly to ESPN and do regrettable things. Like I'm hoping every guy who mentioned that was one of the ones that got fired from ESPN Luke, because I'm so tired of that. Luke Wilson is on our roster to be Jimmy Graham insurance. If Jimmy Graham gets yes. hurt again, Luke Wilson can give us 70% of a similar type player. He's a scheme fit in the way that Trevon Boykin can do the same stuff that <laughs> Russell Wilson does. Exactly. I well, mean, he also, you know, not he's, as good. he's been on the team for a while. Don't don't let him go to another team. Just, he's like near beer. There you go. James Graham. That he's is what he is. He's Canadian. O'Doul's James Graham. O'Doul's James Graham. I love that, Kevin. <laughs> okay, so one thing I think about Jimmy Graham that's really special is when you put him out on the field, the other team doesn't know exactly where on the field he's going to line up. And that can confuse defenses, which is a very good thing to do in the NFL at this time. So, do we all agree? Jimmy Graham, 
Nick Bennett, Luke Wilson. They yeah, are all. In. They're all locked in. Those three players. Yes. I would. I would be surprised if Wilson was out right now. I guess maybe if somebody offered something for him. But yeah, I think that that those three are in. In. Okay, there are two other tight ends on our roster right now that have a chance to make the team. Uh, we have Bryce Williams and Tyrone Swoops. Both are uh, undrafted free agents. Correct? No. No. Bryce Williams was an uh, undrafted free agent from last year. Correct. That we got from San Francisco, uh, picked up from San Francisco. Just another guy we're, we're picking up San Francisco's cast offs, which is and not good. And he had been on our roster, I believe, uh, in the preseason before that, right? Uh, I don't remember. I, I didn't look it up that much. Uh, original team, New England. Okay. Okay. Which, okay. Uh, Tyrone Swoops is a ex quarterback. He is learning to convert to the position. He is a. He went to the University of Texas. He would big come, athletic kid. He would come in on uh, goal line packages and score touchdowns. Basically, that's what he did at Texas. Yep. Um, but now he's learning to play tight end. He's six foot three, two forty nine. Uh, they say that he's he looks pretty decent. Um, I'm excited about the potential, but I'm a hundred percent sure they're trying to get him on the practice squad. I think ideally that's what would happen, unless he really just breaks out. So Bryce Williams is your really only shot to make the main roster, Kevin. Do you have an argument why you think Bryce Williams will make it, or do you think we'll just stick with the three tight ends? I think we can project three. The only reason we go to four is if we thought we were going to be flexing Luke, uh, Nick Vanette into like a fullback role because he has some experience doing that. But I think that's just roster flexibility we'll consider. Yeah, I, think that, I think we're keeping three. I think Vanette can line up like kind of on weird spots in the field in the same way that like a wide receiver that we have, Tanner McAvoy, could... To yes. do weird stuff. Um, all right, so let's let's dig into the positions that have way too many players. All right, here we go. So let's say we keep three tight ends. That means that likely we will keep either five running backs or six wide receivers. Okay, which of those two options do you see as more likely, and why? I That's, like I like the six wide receivers. I don't I don't really think that five running backs fits for us. We talked about. Eddie Lacy, we talked about uh, CJ Procise, which I kind of want to talk about him maybe lining up more as a receiver on like second downs. I think we can see some of that. We also have uh, uh, the running back, the guy who's always injured, Thomas Rawls. Oh. Lou Rawls. Uh, sorry, I love Lou Rawls. Uh, Thomas Rawls, I feel like this will be his make it or break it year. Um I don't see us keeping five running backs, though. I'd argue he broke it the last two years. Yeah, um, that the, would be the problem. The, Honestly, fi- the yeah. five running back argument starts and ends with like, do we need a t- do we need a fullback? Okay, I think there's a second thing to look at for the five running back argument. Okay, and that is the fact that CJ Procise and JD McKissick are both players that could flex out and take snaps at wide receiver or in a wide receiver lined position. Okay, but. So they are roster flexible players. They yeah. they could be they could get wide receiver snaps. Here's my argument for six wide receivers. And it's it's that there are there's clearly six guys on this roster that have high upside at wide receiver that this team believes in. Well, okay, there's five and then one guy that I think will keep for some reason just to <laughs> irritate me. Um <laughs> And when I look at the running backs, I think, one, this team doesn't care about having a fullback anymore. They no. just don't. They're going to be there. Any snaps they need fullbacks, they're going to use Nick Vanette or they're going to use, like, Alex Collins. <laughs> they're going to, like, any set they need a fullback, they'll find some weird way to do it. Yes. So I not, I don't think this team feels the need to have a, a fullback. So let's start with running back then. Okay. So, so yes or no. Rawls, Thumbs Collins, up. Procise, and Lacey, the end. Okay. So... 
Rawls Collins, Procise Lacey, that means you're leaving Tremaine Pope out. Alex Collins is the guy that's most at risk of those four, correct? Agreed. So okay. let's put it this way. Uh, Rawls, Lacey, Procise, in. in. We can all those, agree there, yes, right? We yes. all agree with that completely. So these are the guys that could get that last spot. Collins, Pope, then there's Trey Madden, Kyle Coleman, which and Mike Davis, and Chris Carson, who are all long shots, I think, to make the roster. Trey Madden kind of like entices me a little, but... Again, I don't know. It's, I gotta wait for training camp. I just, I don't know. We don't run a lot of fullback spots. And who was our last fullback that we had who was a, was a converted tight end? Uh, come well, on. You're thinking about Coleman, right? No, um, Coleman, of course, but the guy who, uh. Real Rob? No, man, the guy who was like here two years ago. Uh, we ran, we ran him at fullback. The guy who played defensive end also? I think so. It's. Yeah, I know who you're talking about, yeah. but I can't remember the name right now. He played for San Francisco. The big Samoan dude? Yes. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Okay. The defensive tackle. Yeah, but he also played fullback. Right. Yeah. Which is what we're going to do this year. We're going to find some guy to play fullback that doesn't actually play fullback. <laughs> but, I mean, it was one of those things like we kind of needed a fullback when we brought him in. Didn't really use him very much. I just don't know if we're going to keep a fullback on the roster, and I don't really know who we have of these of these names we mentioned that, that would actually come in in that spot and excel to the point that we'd keep them on the roster. I, I, uh, I don't... Think Troy Troy Pope's a better story than a football player, and I'm at that point with him. Like, I don't think we need a kick returner, and that's the flexibility offers. If that's what we need, we're taking McKissick instead. Yeah, McKissick's a better returner. Yeah, I agree. I think Pope Pope's a great story. I love him. Like, I hope that he lands on an NFL roster somewhere and gets a chance to play. But he's not a good fit for us. We have a lot of guys that do the same things that be- but better. Like, he just seems like a way worse CJ Pro size to me. Yeah. Um, so I just, I, I don't know. There's no reason to keep him around for uh, me. Mike Davis has cadaver knees. So I think there's no guarantee that he's oh, able to make it to camp. There's one other undrafted free agent who is solely a fullback. Algernon Brown. Yes. Uh, he, they list him at running back, but he's, he's, if he makes the roster, it's play, he's playing all his snaps at fullback and special teams. Which uh, means that we're looking to maybe practice squad him. Yeah. I would say practice squad is his best case scenario. So I think we're looking at if they want a flexible receiver, we're looking at like, or a flexible running back, we're looking at McKissick. Otherwise, we're looking at um, Carson and Collins battling it out because those are both bigger bodied running backs that uh, could kind of line up at fullback. They're both like 220, 230 pounders. All right. So, yeah, I think that we've kind of shaken it out a little bit and given people an idea of what the, where the position battle lies. Um, let's go to wide receiver. Okay. I think there's three guys that are locked in. Let's. They're a hundred percent to make the roster. Okay. Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin. Number 89 NFL players top 100. Uh, he's a GFOP now. I'm going to, I'm going to call it that. <laughs> Do you know what that stands for? <laughs> Greatest football of No, players. good friend of podcast. Oh. Then, uh, ty- <laughs> good friend of podcast, Doug Baldwin. Uh, we've got, uh, Shh. Tyler Lockett. Hey, he can be our friend, dude. He's our friend. Bare minimum. <laughs> Spoilers, man. <laughs> Tyler Lockett. Is in, right? As long yeah, as, as, not, long as oh, his yeah. leg stays on his body. Right, sir. Paul Richardson. Paul yes. Richardson has made the roster. Every time Richardson's actually on the field, he's great. He is. He he had a killer end of the year last year. People, I think, may be forgetting that a little bit. He showed up at the end and in the playoffs. He was a legit number two receiver. And I don't know if there's he, returner potential there. Like he can, yes. he can return for us in a pinch. He's a I fast guy. He made us forget about Tyler Lockett, but he helped assuage the pain okay he stepped up into that role for sure let's add a fourth player to people who are definitely making it amara darbo yeah yeah he's a third round pick third round picks don't get cut <laughs> unless something crazy happens so darbo darbo is 
in. Okay, so we've got Darbo. Okay, not I, to mention he's a bigger, more physical receiver than the other three you just mentioned. Here's my thing. Okay, right, I'm gonna say it throughout that. There, what in the world could Jermaine Curse possibly be doing better than Amara Darbo? They have very similar physical skills. Being sets. veterany, yeah, like this is where I'm gonna get running into problems. I don't, I don't think there's a place for Jermaine Curse on this roster. I appreciate everything he's done for the Seahawks. I love that he was a local guy. Uh, he would he had one of the worst catch rates in the NFL last season in terms of catching percentages of the passes thrown his way, accurate passes thrown his way. I just don't see any. For me, I think the Seahawks need to move on from this, and or at least let eight these eight guys at the end of the roster who I'm going to start mentioning in a minute. Let them legitimately battle curse for that last roster spot. Now, Make him earn it. Nathan, people are going to argue with you and say things like, but Nathan, he does not it really, it, cutting him does not give us any money on the salary cap. Correct. It, it, but it gives us a roster spot. And at this point, <laughs> it's sunk cost. Well, we're carrying six wide receivers, correct? Uh, According I, I, to this roster projection? I think so. I think I one think of them legit. a special teamer. In the, so, so we're looking at Baldwin, Lockett, Richardson, Darbo, and there's two spots left. Two spots left. And I think one spot is going to go to Tanner McAvoy. I don't think that he, I think he showed plenty last year in his limited snaps to deserve a chance to run it back this year as our, you know, fourth, fifth wide receiver. He also provides roster flexibility. He can, in a pinch, play quarterback. He can, in a pinch, do a lot of different things, to be honest with you. He's a safety in college. So he's a uh, plus special teamer. Yep. He's going to be, he's a great special teamer. He's a smart football player. Uh, he blocked a punt last year. Like, I think McAvoy is a, Stone cold lock to make the team. McAvoy is less in danger to me by a many factors compared to Curse because of special teams. So then we have <laughs> Kenny Lawler, Jermaine Curse, Speedy Noyle, Marcus Lucas, and David Moore battling Dar- it out. And Cason Williams and Rodney Smith and Cyril Grayson and Darius Rogers. We have a lot of wide receivers on our roster. Some of these are just sound like you know, here's sound like my made thing. up names. If I had to pick who I thought is the best wide receiver of this bunch, Kenny Lawler should make the team not close. But the problem is Kenny Lawler has not shown at any point in his career so far that he can play on special teams. And that is a problem if he is going to make the roster as a sixth wide receiver. Because if they're going to need to get special teams plus plus out of whoever this last roster spot goes to, we might keep five wide receivers and maybe we'll keep Pierre Desir because Pierre Desir is awesome on special teams. That is I'm fully willing to admit that is a possibility. That's a guy where I kind of wrote him off earlier, you know, two weeks ago or whatever. But maybe he's a plus, plus, plus special teamer. And the team decides, you know what? We're going to cut Jermaine and we're going to cut Kenny and we're going to get rid of all these guys because this guy can play special teams and they can't. Yep. If Kenny Lawler is interested in being an NFL football player, he needs to show it in special teams during the preseason. That's because I think he's the most talented out of all of these guys. So what you're going to be looking for is... You're going to be looking to see is uh, is Lawler playing Gunner? Is Lawler uh, somewhere on the kick return team? So if you see him getting looks in preseason games at special teams, that means they're giving him a long look for a roster spot. If you don't, that means they are probably not. I mean, he has a reserve future contract, so we can kick him to the practice squad for like no risk. So I wouldn't, I mean, it's not that I think, I just think he has a legitimate shot to make the roster if he can play special teams I right off the bat. A guy to look, a guy to keep out your eye on is Speedy Noyle. Uh, Speedy Noyle is out of Texas A&M. There was a lot of turnover at quarterback during the short time that he was there. He has, uh, 
pretty interesting physical stats. Yeah. He was a highly regarded high school athlete. He was a blue chipper coming out. Right. He was the number one rated athlete in the country. Yep. You know, like he, uh, you know, the athlete designation is we don't know what position to put this guy at. Yes. <laughs> Aaron Curry, big time athlete. But, god damn it. Um, <laughs> but Speedy Noel's a guy who, if he, it's hard to know based on kind of the the tumultuous college situation and you know, the and the legal troubles. Don't leave it out. Like he he was going to get suspended to go back if he went back to college. I didn't yeah. know this. So like he he has there's issues. You know he's a good athlete. He's, he's but people say he's not smart on the football field and he's not a guy that they want in their locker room. That's what scouts have said. So he, he has the talent. You're right, Kevin. Physical tools, like this guy could surprise everyone. And if he can get his head on straight, I completely agree. This guy could blow, blow everyone out of the water. Be a plus, plus, plus team. He could return punts. Yes. Like he's, he's, he's solid. He's, he's a legitimately solid. interesting player. I think that he has a better chance at making the team than like David Moore, our seventh round pick, for yeah, instance. Good spark rating. I know the Seahawks are super into that, but like the <laughs> spark rating. He, he was the spark national he's very champion. Sparky. Like, uh, spark stands for speed. Power, agility, reaction, and quickness. It's the Nike rating that they use uh, coming out of high school to like kind of generally rate players. He Basically, had the it means his physical tools are insane. They're nuts. And I mean, he has character concerns, though, and he's, he was a, probably a difficult sell for a lot of teams. The Seahawks are doing what I say, though. Bring a guy with character concerns in, see what he can give you. If he doesn't cut it, kick him out. If he can cut it, he's, he provides huge value for an undrafted free agent. Yeah, because this is a UDFA who had the talent of players that went in like the fifth. Right. And so you basically got a bonus fifth round pick here. You know, he just didn't have the college level productivity, but you're talking about the same program that put out Johnny Manziel. So clearly there's something <laughs> about the program and the way that character is being handled there that's a contributing factor. So, you know, give the kid a shot. Maybe yeah. he can surprise you. And like Nate keeps saying, and like he just said, you take stabs at these players when you have a ton of depth on your roster already. And when you have a, they can be plus and a system that you can trust. Yes. You trust that your system of bringing guys in and teaching them to be men, you know, like and Doug all that Baldwin's stuff, not going to let him be a punk. Nope. If he's going to be a punk, Doug Baldwin's going to going to you know he's going to say, "Sorry, get out of my locker room." Yeah, he's not. That you can't goof around the Seahawks locker room. Like we have veterans that will not allow it. And um, yeah. So I I agree. Speedy Noel is a guy to watch, especially because like like I said in like what you're mentioning, special teams are going to matter if you're going to be the last guy on the roster. And I think the Seahawks would love to have an excuse to not have Tyler Lockett return punts, except for when we really need it. Yep. <laughs> like like down just dust like a, off the Corvette. Playoff, yeah. You down don't drive the Corvette to work. You drive the Corvette to the beach on the weekend. Yeah. Down seven in the fourth quarter, you might see Tyler Lockett going back there to turn a punt. The rest of the time, you see Speedy Noyle or you see, you see J.D. McKissick, right? Like you see one of, whoever that last guy who made the roster as a punt returner is. Well, let me let me ask you this, guys. Of all the names that we just we just spoke about that we we kind of glossed over, every year there's that that guy who excels in the preseason but doesn't make the team. I don't know. I kind of see that happening again this year okay. with the receivers. I Cyr think that could be Waller. Cyril Grayson is the guy I think okay. that could come okay. out of nowhere. Uh, he's a track star. He's never played football before. He's fast. This guy is like... He's an Olympic alternate, right? He's That's stupid the fast. guy who's and never played football. Cyril Grayson, too. Like, 
from the videos I've seen, he has change of direction speed, which is weird because yep. he's a track guy. And track guys sometimes don't have change of direction speed. That's not Cyril Grayson. Cyril Grayson is fast and he has change of direction speed. I think that if there's anyone on Seahawks rosters who could just come out of nowhere and be like the guy that like blows your mind, Cyril Grayson returning kicks. Like that could be like a thing that just kind of becomes a, a, a sensation. Or you'll see him like come out and have an interesting game one. And then not see him the next three games because they're trying to sneak him on the practice squad. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> I really surprised about. I really like Seal Grayson though. I think it's a cool story, and I, I think it's one to follow during the preseason. That's my that's my big one for you guys. Cyril, uh, watch watch Cyril Grayson. That's a good tip. Um, okay, so uh, let's take a second to thank everyone who gave us a play last week. We had a very good week in terms of plays. We got several new Facebook follows. Uh, 242 plays, and our last episode before that got 269, 271. These are some of our most listened to episodes of all time, and it's happening in the boring <laughs> off season. The where, dead period. The dead period. And uh, I just want to say thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. I know you guys are probably starved for football, so I, I certainly am. Yeah. So I, I go on NFL Reddit every day, and I'm like, why is it so boring? And the door's going to slam. There you go. Sorry about that. <laughs> Wow, look at that. Nathan so called it. The fan the fan started blowing the door shut. It is hotter than Hades in Seattle this day, especially if you don't have air conditioning. Like it's me. Seattle hot. <laughs> it's Seattle hot. Eighty degrees and hundred percent humidity. All right, so um yeah, that's that's it. If you wanna support us, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest and throw us a couple bucks. Um that would we really appreciate all the people that helped us. In fact, I have done the math and Matt Week one this year, we will have a new mixer what? for the Seahawks Nest podcast, nice. upping our audio quality to just unforeseen heights. Just it's going to be so good. Unforeseen you heights. will all be at a Kevin level perfection of audio <laughs> sound. That is what will happen here. Oh, this man. this guy with the comment, <laughs> the I, are, I'm going to reach out to him. And be the like, memes are too strong, sir. Chad, you're my favorite. Uh, you yeah. give me endless joke on this. Chad, Chad is the, the the real MVP of the Seahawks. The mileage podcast. on this off season joke is unreal. The, my favorite thing, other favorite thing is Brett keeps commenting. Our executive producer, uh, <laughs> who who uh, who you know he he pays for former the executive producer keeps the lights on uh, for the standard Seahawks Nest podcast. Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot standard <laughs> producer. He um he goes ahead and he like comments all over our soundcloud uh feed and he's just like puts the funniest stuff it's like uh you know just i don't know he's so funny he's like all this off like last week all this talking about the offensive line is making me very unhappy please move on <laughs> that's, what, that's what he put i, I mean, kevin had this look on his face when we were talking about george fant like he wanted to just like commit seppuku like he was just like i'm gonna get out my sword and just stab myself in the chest because i hate this so much yeah, me really with the hurt. fidget spinner or talk of george fant what makes kevin more upset george fant yeah, i know that's a fact sure. that's um, not even close all right so let's hit it up seahawks Nest movie club we have a uh, 17 minutes to talk about a movie that i consider to be a modern classic a movie by a director who uh has as many misses as hits these days. In fact, he had a miss, a clean miss this last week with King Arthur Legend of the Sword. So, uh, let's talk about Guy Ritchie's classic Snatch. Uh, first, let's just go over just like the basics of the movie. Okay. There are many great character actors in this movie. Okay. Dennis Farina, uh, is amazing in this movie. I think this is like the classic quintessential Dennis Farina performance. I love it so much. Jason Statham is in this movie uh, just doing like a great like kind of bumbling Brad Pitt is doing a character performance in this movie he is which is so good when he does a character which, performance 
Which is great because they, they kind of need star power for this. So they brought in Brad Pitt. He was marketed in America. It's like, hey, it's a Brad Pitt movie. And really, he's he's not in the movie all that much. He's like Dex. Yeah. Uh, uh, Benicio Del Toro. Yes. Is incredible in this movie. as Excellent. Frankie Four Fingers. Um, we've got uh, Stephen Graham playing the Tommy, the younger. Uh, Turkish's, or sorry, Jason Statham's younger, like, protege. Uh, Alan Ford playing Bricktop. <laughs> Bricktop has in this movie some of the all time great monologues. We'll dig into those in just a minute. Vinnie Jones, Bullet Tooth Tony? Yeah. Right, yeah, Vinnie Jones, Bullet Tooth Tony. Uh, Bo- uh, Raid Zija as Boris the Blade. Yeah. It's definitely amazing. Uh, there's just so much good. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, Vinnie Saul and Tyrone. Those three guys, all three oh, of those man. actors just kill it in this movie. Yes. Um, it's just, it's a great movie. Uh, Ewan Bremmer plays a character that they named in the script Mullet. And that is one of Brad Pitt's like a uh, buddies. <laughs> yes, it's just his name in the script is Mullet. They never refer to him by name in the in the movie. So, all right, let's start with this. Just um, which of these characters do you feel like the strongest connection to? Like, is it Turkish? Jason Statham's Turkish. Is it Alan Ford's Bricktop? Is it Brad Pitt's Mickey? Is it like Stephen Graham's like sidekick Tommy? You know, like the where he buys trying to buy the gun. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. Um, Protect yourself um, against two, Tommy. The Germans. The Germans. <laughs> this is uh, Jason Statham playing like kind of the straight man. Yes, but not. It's this is as that, Jason Statham's the main character of this movie as much right, as there right. is. He's one. the he's the, and he does it so well. This is the best Jason Statham main character movie. He's the thread that runs through every storyline. Yes. He connects all of these disparate parts. Um, the <laughs> one thing that's funny about Turkish uh, in this movie, that scene where he's going to shoot the gun and he's like, have you tried shooting it yet? And Tommy's like, no. And so Tommy goes to shoot it and he's like closing his eyes and he's like wincing <laughs> and he pulls the trigger and it doesn't fire and Turkish just goes, whoops. <laughs> so nonchalant. Like, 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 oh, it didn't shoot. <laughs> so, oh, man. Yeah. Um Man, I just, I feel really a strong connection in this movie to just like the, uh, the Saul character. The, like, those, like, the three guys, the, the those kind of, four guys. those bumbling, like, idiot. they try to rob a bookies. Yes. And they only have copper coins. And, and then they try to go out the, and I just, I, it's like one of those things where everything goes wrong. And I've, I connect to those experiences, like those days where you just, you're trying so hard, you're trying, and you just, nothing will go right for you. And, the quintessential scene where they run into uh, um, Bullet Tooth Tony. Will yours say replica? And mine says Desert Eagle point five oh. Yes. Oh man, it's <laughs> little. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, the, the balls speech. Yes. Big very... brass balls. Yeah, there's so many good monologues in this movie. And there are. Why, why do they call him Boris the Bullet Dodger? Because he dodges bullets. <laughs> And then they have the off-camera scene where he's clearly dodging a bunch of bullets. Yeah. It's just for comedic effect. It's so good. This movie handles really well without being over the top. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gorgeous George. Uh, Yes, the boxer. Yeah, that's just... So good. It's very small scenes, but... Yeah, um, this, the movie, every time he's in the movie, though, it's great. Like, oh, yeah. like that scene where he fights, uh, he fights Mickey, and they, <laughs> and he's just like, "You should stay <laughs> down." And then, then, then Mickey, Mickey gets back up, just like cracks his neck, and knocks him out in one punch. <laughs> it's so good. Which is, I that's a really great performance from Brad Pitt because uh, doesn't come across as a guy who could do that. No, in and, the movie though, he, yeah, in the movie though, he's great. He, he totally he's great. does. Yeah, 
So he's Brad in great. Pitt's, he's in great shape in this movie. Let's be real. He is, uh, and this is just post Fight Club, right? Or yeah, it's, it's, right, it's got to be right around. It's right around there, and he's in that level of shape where he's not like bulked out. He's very like life, and uh, he looks like an an athlete. Wiry, I guess. Uh, Fight Club came out in '99. Snatch came out in 2000. Yep. There you go. And actually, Brad Pitt's Mickey O'Neill is the character I identify with the most. All right, because. He is trying to get what he can for he and his the whole movie, and he is angling all of his skills to put himself in the best situation for success. And then when someone double crosses him, well, you don't double cross Mickey O'Neill. And as someone who is more than willing to burn someone else's house down or bite my nose off to spite my face in vengeance... Mickey O'Neill is the one that I definitely, uh, yeah, you don't, definitely relate to the you best. You don't cross the pikeys, man. You no. don't cross the pikeys. Uh, I just, I like the idea too that he keeps getting one over on Bricktop. Yeah. You know, like this guy Bricktop, he's just this gangster. He's got these great monologues, one where he he's about vengeance, you know, and he's, it's, uh, you know what nemesis means and all, all the, When he's explaining the pig. And the pigs, he explains <laughs> the pigs. Like there's all these scenes where he's doing this great, great stuff. And then. And greedy as a pig. And then at the end, you know, it's just like, Mickey and Co. just just wreck his day, you know. They're just they just they're one step ahead of him. This 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 hardened gangster, you know. They they uh, they stay one step ahead, and then I think that movie wraps up nicely. Like the ending of the movie is just very satisfying in a lot of different ways. Yes, um, the way that Abby goes back to America and they say, "Do you have anything to declare?" and he just says, "Snaps it off, no thought." Don't go to England. Yes. <laughs> that Dennis Farina character just kills me in this movie. Such a quintessential character. His casting in that spot, like you said, was perfect. Because you saw him and you're like, oh, mobster. Yeah, and he's he's like a TV guy mostly. And right. he's in this movie and it, mm-hmm. it kind of threw me at first. Or he's been in a couple of mobster movies. Yeah. Or he plays a cop. Yeah, he plays a cop in the mobster. Yeah, and if you want to remember Dennis Farina, who may he rest in peace, you know, I like, I miss, uh, I, I think this is a good movie to go back and watch and see some just like top level Farina. Every like, scene that he's in, he plays perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't really, ha- I didn't look up a bunch of like weird trivia this time. This movie has a huge cult following though. Uh, there is a TV show out now, kind of based loosely on the, uh, like idea of the show. That stars Harry Potter star Rupert Grint. Oh, I've seen that show, but you know how to watch it. You guys know how to watch it. You know what channel it's on? Is it Hulu Plus? No, you can watch it on Crackle. What the the candy bar that comes in the Hershey's miniatures packet? Correct. Nope. It's a uh, (laughs) it's a subsidiary of Sony Pictures Entertainment. It is was founded first as Grouper, and now it's called Crackle. It's it's like a video on demand video (laughs) service. It's it's like Sony's garbage Hulu. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any other way to put it. So my Hulu Plus comment was way too generous, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, that you are you are you are too nice. Rupert Grint's Snatch does not appear on that. It appears on Crackle. So if you want to see something that approximates it, go ahead and hit up. And not a Crackle. not related, but not totally unrelated to uh, the inferior uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Yeah, this kind of helped kick off that where people were trying to come up with these kind of fast-paced action movies. Mm -hmm. But what a lot of them missed that this hit on was that the action scenes were brief and the dialogue was excellent. And the character development. 
Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing is, this movie does something that a lot of directors fail at, and I'll give Guy Ritchie a ton of credit for this. Every action movie served to, or every action moment served to further a character. You learn something about them because it was like, let's put this character in crisis. Let's watch how they respond. This is the type of person they yeah. are. Another thing, too, the music use in this movie oh, is good, just a yeah. masterpiece. There's so many good songs in this movie, and they're all used so well. Like, every single thing is just perfect. All right, you ready for some trivia? Some yep. interesting facts? Okay, Brad Pitt, who's a big fan of this of Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Guy Ritchie's previous film, asked for a role in the film. He could not do a London accent, so he had to be Mickey the Gypsy instead. <laughs> <laughs> They couldn't afford enough extras for boxing match sequences, so what they did is every time they changed camera angles, everyone had to move. Wow. <laughs> That's so good. Yep. Um, they, every mistake that Saul, Vincent, and Tyrone make was inspired by a real-life story that uh, about something that had gone wrong while committing a crime. <laughs> uh, every death in the movie takes place off screen, That's which true. is something to yeah. uh, think about. And uh, Frankie Fourfingers changes into four different outfits during his short... Co- conversation with cousin abby um which is a, a a good one um yeah so that's uh that's what i got man guy Ritchie paid a million dollars to use madonna's song lucky star which is pretty cool because at the time it was his wife so whatever what um what a, can you go through guy Ritchie's other movies okay that so we, that we know you don't have to talk about the uh remake with madonna the, okay uh, terrible movies so he made Lockstock. that was, was his Castellier? first his first full-length feature film yeah snatch uh, then he did Swept Away, which is the... Uh, That's the one with his wife that sucked. Which is the Madonna movie that there you're talking you about. Then we got Revolver, which if you've seen oh, it, it's it's yeah. kind of meandering and weird. And then he's got Rock and Rolla, which is kind of a semi-return to form. I don't love Rock and Rolla, but it's good. Um, I've seen that one. Uh, it's got Gerard Butler, Tom Wilkinson. Then it's another like great cast. Idris, Elba, cast, Idris Elba's in it. Uh, then we have the Sherlock. Oh, Idris Elba. Never mind. It's a great cast. <laughs> yeah, Idris Elba should be in everything. And uh, actually, that's Idris Elba mid-2000s, right? Yeah. It's a good time to get on the Idris Elba train. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes, both of them. Which those are I, solid. I think those are solid movies. Not great. Man from Uncle, which is criminally underrated. I think this is a great movie. Yeah, uh, you, you were like I really about I really movie. dig this movie. There's Never something like it's just the thing is, it's doing something different than people expected. I love the show that it's based on. Okay. I've never seen the movie. Uh, so I need to see the movie. I enjoy the show, the old show. Yeah, so it, I, I don't know how much it relates to the old show because I didn't watch it, but the, basically this show is like doing something different. It's like a, um, like two people who really hate each other, but like they're really good buddies. You know, it's like one of those things, like they, frenemies, they, frenemies kind of thing that, that's going on between, uh, Army Hammer and Henry Cavill. And it's like, it's just so great. And every, I just love it so much. And I, I don't know. I, I think it, it makes the most of Army Hammer and Henry Cavill, which, both guys can be pretty insufferable in movies. I think we all agree that Henry Cavill's Superman could be better. Although Eric, I know you really like the movies, but I, I, agree I think with you, Henry Cavill though is like he's, not. He's a, too too stone. I thought Brandon Routh was a better Superman than Henry Cavill. Uh, if Henry, if Brandon Routh was in the the current Superman movies, I think they'd be like slightly better. Yeah. Uh, Army Hammer, same thing. Like that that um that, movie he did with Johnny Depp where. It offended everyone. Uh, the Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger. That's horrible. Yes, that's, that that's, was. I, I, only, I couldn't finish it. So, I mean, both these guys have roles where it's like we can see, like verifiably. These guys are not that great, but they're awesome in this movie. This movie makes the most of their talents. So I, I highly recommend uh, checking out Man from Uncle if you like Snatch. Well, that makes sense because, again, Statham's somebody who oftentimes does not live his role super well, and he is utilized perfectly in Snatch. 
So rumors are these are the things that uh, he's working on. Sherlock Holmes 3. Sure. Which, you know what? He's uh, totally working you know on what? that. Put Jude Law and Robert Downey Jr. in a movie again together. I'm for it. Yeah. <laughs> those movies were very entertaining. And, if, and I think people, I think that that's one of those cases where that's a movie people were watching wrong. And ready for this one? You're going to love this one. A live action Aladdin starring Will Smith as Genie. Hmm. Kevin had this look on his face like, what? <laughs> I'm just wondering if he's the genie, how's he going to work in, I got to get me one of these oh, in there. Because he, he can wait, get them all. That first wish, it's gonna, he's going to say it. Like They're going <laughs> to they're gonna be like riding elephants or like... Oh, it's going to be stuff. freedom. Freedom. I got to get me one of these. Right, yikes. Uh, all right. <laughs> Too real. Well, now, now on that note, for... <laughs> For Kevin Garver and Eric Ronovic, I'm Nathan Santo. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Go Hawks.